Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is finally here. It is time. I've been waiting a couple years for today and I'm officially ready to say March Madness is getting underway in just over an hour here at awesomeo.com. We're ready to have you covered live before lock season, just like college football, just like old times. I am Ben Reza. That is Matt Gajewski. We're going to have everything you need, whether it's brackets, betting, and certainly on the DFS side. Are you ready, sir? Yeah, man, let's do it. I've been so excited for this day. Sleeping very little this week, but we are finally here. Absolutely. We are here. We've got 16 games, the entire right side of the bracket. Uh, We're going to dive in. Certainly, chat, we see you guys. We'll get to some games. We'll get to your questions. Absolutely, we've got you covered with everything. I do want to say real quick, though, there is still time for things that you need to do. First off, we have our package. If you're playing and you haven't used the projections that Matt has, Get in there, $29.95 for the entire tournament betting content, bracket content, and certainly those projections, which are the best in the business. Plus, if you want free, our friends at Monkey Knife Fight, they have partnered up with us, and they're giving you a free bracket challenge 
with $2,500 in cash prizes plus 100 free Awesome o Platinum subscriptions. That's right. You can compete for the cash. You can compete for the subscriptions, and it's totally free. Top 355 places are paid out, so no reason not to join. You go to aussie.moe slash monkeymania. The link will be in the description to sign up and fill out your bracket. There's no reason not to do that. And if you're over there, use the promo code AWESOMO. Get up to $53 first match deposit bonus, and you can play over on Monkey Knife Fight. So a lot of good things. Monkey Mania, as we got our man behind the glass, putting it on the screen. That is good stuff. But let's get into it. We've got a, we're going to start in the top right. We're just going to go like kind of down the list. So we start with the barn burner, Hartford, the Hawks, Baylor, the Bears. One of the biggest spreads on the board. Certainly today, it's the biggest. Uh, are we going to have a ton to talk about here? Or is this one that we're going to go pretty quickly? There's a couple games like this that I think for DFS purposes, we're probably just going to run through. On Hartford, you have a team that's not really competitive. They might be the worst team that made the tournament this year. So how much can they really do against Baylor? They're 26-point underdogs here. Their team total is extremely low. But at the same time, a site like DraftKings did a good job with pricing here. So you have some studs on Hartford that actually have pretty decent prices. And it really brings you to a question. Do you want to play the usage leader on Hartford, who's going to be around 5K? Or would you rather play like the, the third or fourth most used player on a team like Ohio State, who has a better overall team total but the usage rate leaves a lot to be desired so that's i think a big decision point that you wrestle with on this slate hartford in particular talking them as a team again i think they might be the worst team that made the tournament they've barely played anybody they did face uconn and nova this year they got absolutely slaughtered in both of those games and then on the baylor side it really comes down to how many minutes do you think their studs play so you're you're paying a premium for guys like jared butler and davion mitchell but then you might see them play just 25 minutes and that's certainly not going to pay off that elevated price. So it's a tough spot to get to for DFS. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned and no surprise, but for Hartford, there's no one, you know, 5,700 is that top tag. They've got a couple guards there. And then of course with Baylor, you've got a million guys priced over that, whether it's Butler or Mitchell uh, or, or the, you know, the combo forwards, I get you, you kind of just mentioned this, but do you see with a spread this high, you know, it's sitting around 25 or 26, any merit to rolling the dice with those guys or with 16 games, are we going to be that selective where, you know, you want 35 minutes from your big time players. You're not going to mess around with a game like this. There's a couple of players that project decently for this team. So if you, if you look down the list, they're in the 5k range on DraftKings. I think you could maybe take a look at someone like Tracy Carter and then their second most used players, Austin Williams, 5,200 there. Again, it, they're going to play the whole game. Basically this is, Hartford's last shot, unless they just get completely railroaded, which could happen. You can maybe take a look at these guys because they are the usage leaders. The worry is just that they score maybe like 40 points. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible against this zone. I'm it's, it's hard. Listen, it's 16 and we're going to go, you know, at the end, we're going to recap kind of an overarching theme for the DFS plays, but I want to make sure we get to every game. We've got some time, but there is 16 of these bad boys and there's better games than Hartford and Baylor. I will say, uh, as I rarely do this, but I laid the points of Baylor. I don't even think this stays in the stratosphere of being close. I laid them too. Yeah, it's 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 embarrassing to say that, but I feel better that you did it as well. Um, poor Hartford, it's going to be bad. But we move right below them. Baylor will face the winner of, of Wisconsin and UNC, the 9-8 game. Uh, North Carolina is a one and a half point favorite, 137 and a half total, kind of uneventful. And this is going to be interesting. We, we talked about on the bracket show 
about, you know, North Carolina's bigs on the inside uh, really could punish Wisconsin. They've struggled with that all year. So my first question is, do you look to these guys on the inside for North Carolina, or is there a different approach you want to take? North Carolina's bigs were fantastic GPP plays earlier in the year because they were just rotating three of them. You had Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks, and Dayron Sharp. But then there was a game where Garrison Brooks missed some time, and Walker Kessler came off the bench, and he played about 20 minutes, but he had a double-double in that time just in a lead game. And since then, they've included him in the rotation. And he's not playable in DFS by himself. He's going to get around 10 to 12 minutes. But his addition to the forward rotation kind of renders all of these guys even more risky. You're not seeing a minute ceiling for any of them, so you really need outlier performances. Lately, it's been Armando Baycott getting there with a lot of offensive boards, but you very well could see this flip in any of those four forwards directions. So just a very volatile situation. On the other side of that game, I mean, do you want, we were talking a little before the show, uh, your boys down there, it's been a pain point. They run seemingly, I don't understand the rotations at times, the minutes aren't consolidated. Do you think in a tournament setting that changes or is this going to be more of the same kind of a -a whack-a-mole situation? I've heard the notion that this is the game Micah Potter is going to play 25 (laughs) plus minutes because all the marbles are in play. But at the same time, like Wisconsin's been been playing and losing seeding seemingly throughout the last two months because of their play with Micah Potter. Greg Gard is a frustrating coach. He's kind of an old school guy that will bench players immediately if they get in foul trouble. And their best player, their most efficient player on offense, Micah Potter, he's averaging around 20 minutes a game. Just because they're playing UNC and everything's on the line, they've been in competitive games this year and it hasn't changed. So I don't see why that would change today. And then in the backcourt, do you look to someone like Trice? I, I mean, he's is their leader, obviously fills it up in a pretty, you know, I'd say it's a pretty robust stat line, game in and game out. The minute should be there. Then, you know, you've got Davison drawing all the charges. They have some guys, but I don't know. For me, they don't really stand out. What about for you? They don't stand out for me either. This is basically a situation where you can play Trice at 6,700 on DraftKings, 6,200 on FanDuel, or you can take a player on maybe a lesser game environment, a team that's maybe in a 15-2 matchup or a 3-14 matchup, and you get their usage stud for the same price versus Trice, who plays on a team where their usage is spread pretty evenly across the main starters. Anything else? I did not I did not bet this game. I, I think North Carolina wins, but it's a, it's a coin flip situation. Uh, any strong leans on that? The total feels about right to me. I didn't bet it either. Wisconsin was taking some money. This opened UNC minus two, and then it quickly got bet down to minus one and a half in favor of North Carolina. Wisconsin taking a little bit more money, so I'm hoping to get this at maybe minus one. I'm going to bet North Carolina just waiting for the number. So before okay. tip, I will have a bet on, on the Tar Heels just trying to get a better number right now. Is it a life hedge or do you actually think that they win? Oh, dude, I'm not a Wisconsin fan. I know. If That's why you life this... hedge it. Yeah, you're doubling down. I like it. Yeah, no no hedging here. Okay. All or nothing. We respect that chat. It's good to see. We've got a lot of the regulars. Hope your golf sweats are going good, fam. Uh, definitely rooting for you. If you can hit that like button, though, and more importantly, subscribe to the channel. We have so much content, whether it's NBA, PGA, certainly college basketball. We're going to be doing this live before lock show every day. So anytime there are slates, I'm going to drag this guy with me and we're going to talk uh, some CVB, but let's keep it moving here. We're going down. We've got the 12 in Winthrop. We've got the five in Nova. This is a a game that a lot of people have circled as a potential upset. And and when you look at Winthrop, they've only lost one game, but they're beating up on, you know, the big South, which is not exactly the big East. So let's start with them. Um, Vaudrin, what, what can they really do against Villanova? 
We'll get into the Glipsy situation, but I just want to talk about Winthrop specifically. They have one big-time player. Do you look to him at, at $8,000? Vaudrin's a good player here. Their team total is a little lower, 68 points. It's kind of middling on this slate. I was kind of surprised to see the total at 143 here. You get a Winthrop team that really likes to run and gun. They play fast. That's a major problem against Villanova, who's going to slow you down no matter what. And you talk about Vaudrin. He's going to have an incredibly difficult matchup today. He'll see some Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who has a massive size advantage on him. Chandler Vaudrin, he does have great rates. So I think you could look to him maybe as a contrarian play at the top of pricing. But ultimately, he's the same price as Moses Moody, a player we haven't gotten to yet on Arkansas. And there's a couple others in that range that just greatly outproject him. So in tournaments, I think you could play Vaudrin. But if you're playing lowers, contests, cash, double ups, you're just looking to the players that have better game environments. Anything else on Winthrop? I mean, as you mentioned, you've got Vaudrin, but from there, it takes a serious dip. Uh, you certainly, of course, have starters that'll be playing some quality minutes, but no one uh, that really stands out, all sub-5K tags. Yeah, they're a team that's going to rotate at least 10 players in. A deep rotation, making it very tricky for DFS. The total was 143. I mean, did you did you did that stand out to you in either way? You mentioned, of course, Nova's going to make them play at their pace. Winthrop would want this in the 160s if they could get it there. It's not going to get there. Um, I thought it was a little heavy. I did not bet it, but I, I thought this would come in, you know, 138, 139 ish. You know, when I, when I was thinking about how these teams ultimately play. I was considering betting the over, but everything we know about Villanova makes this a tough spot to bet. It's basically, so when my model made the line itself, it was around 144 and a half. So there is a little bit of value on the over if you want to take it, but it's not what I bet just because of what we know about Nova. And a lot of teams that try to play with pace against these slower teams like Nova, Virginia, it more so plays to the slow team. So that's why I have a little bit of a hesitancy before betting this. And talk to me about this Villanova team down Galipsy. Uh, where are they at? More looks good to go. Certainly Robinson Earl, big-time player, big-time tag, though, at 9K. Robinson Earl should have a fantastic matchup here against Winthrop. So Winthrop's defense is fine. They rank 13th in the country. You mentioned their level of competition. They've played absolutely nobody this year. They actually haven't even played a top 100 team yet. So I wouldn't look too much into the 13th overall defensive efficiency that they hold. Jeremiah Robinson Earl holds a huge size advantage over this team. The only player who has any significant size is DJ Burns. He's kind of like this athletic big that only plays 20 minutes a game anyway. I don't think his minutes are really going to trend up, so he should absolutely eat. You just got to pay for him. You mentioned Justin Moore, whose price is very attractive on DraftKings specifically. He's 5,800. He's priced as if he's an ancillary player, and he's a huge part of this offense. He was playing 30-plus minutes even when Gillespie was out there. His usage rate is 17%, which is solid. And on the year, he's already taken 18% of the shots, 19% of the assists. Gillespie's their usage leader who's vacating just a ton of stats here. A lot's going to go to Jermaine Samuels, but a lot is also going to go to Justin Moore, and he brings the better price. And it looks like, I mean, I, I was really surprised that he played against Georgetown. He twisted an ankle against Providence, and it looked like he, they were going to lose him for a while. He played 27 minutes in that game. So with the, with, they got bounced. They've had some rest. I would assume that he can push you know, for, for serious minutes here and the ankle is no longer a concern to you? It's not really. Seeing his minutes jump back up and now they've had an additional week to rest. Anybody else? Uh, chat wants to know, is the other Archie Diacono in play? Does he pick up some of those minutes or is that more of a desperation? He's going to play a ton of minutes. He's just going to be at best the fourth most used player. They already have Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl ahead of him. And that, that certainly won't change. Yeah. 
Any uh, final thoughts on this game? I ultimately, I, again, haven't betted. I do think that Villanova will win the game. I'm not in love with Winthrop despite the lofty record. I have Villanova against the spread. I've been looking at the over. I do not think I'll end up taking it. Okay. Moving on. Last in this kind of top tier of the South region. Then we'll do a brief recap, and then we'll go down to the bottom. This game is going to be much slower. 126-point total. The 13-seed North Texas against the four-seed Purdue. Interesting game. Not clash of styles. They both want to play slow. It's a seven-point spread. Uh, I guess we'll start with the mean green here. I mean, this isn't a team that I have a lot to say. This is going to be a rock fight. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, where do we go? Certainly Purdue with the size on the inside could cause massive problems. But these combo guards, whether it's Reese or Hamlet, can they be effective against Purdue? I think Hamlet needs to be the guy that scores. Otherwise, North Texas is in big trouble. Purdue is one of the few teams in the country that's top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. We're talking about same categories as Illinois and Gonzaga, and Purdue fits that bill. Outside of that, I think North Texas is going to have a lot of trouble with the size of Trevion Williams. In competitive games, he typically plays more minutes. They don't have the size to keep up with him. Then you're also looking at just a discrepancy in level of competition. North Texas did play some good teams this year. Arkansas, Loyola, Chicago, and West Virginia, they got slaughtered in all those matchups. Purdue is far more likely to play, you know, a similar style, at least competition-wise, to Arkansas, Loyola, and West Virginia than they are to play some of the teams that North Texas was able to beat up in their conference. So you mentioned certainly Travion Williams. I, I think that if Purdue makes a run in this tournament, clearly it's going to be because of him. He's absolutely unbelievable. He needs to stay on the court. Uh, got to stay out of foul trouble. So, I mean, against this team, I assume you do like him at 86. I do want to throw a comparison, though. Would you rather have him or someone like Robinson Earl? I'd way, way, way rather have Robinson Earl. Okay. I, yeah. It's just with Trevion, it, it, he's a great player. If he plays 30 minutes, he's going to demolish that salary. He's good in GPPs, but their coach... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To limit his minutes at times. And it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes it's foul issues. Sometimes it's not. If you look at his last three games, he's played 30 minutes, 19 minutes, and 22 minutes. So I just have no confidence that Trevion's going to be out there the entire game. If he is, his rates are phenomenal and he'll smash that salary. But I just don't think we can look to him as a secure play. What do you make of Jaden Ivey? Because clearly we, we've talked about the bigs. This is a freshman who, you know, at, at times has looked fantastic. The minutes are there. Tag is pretty premium though, 7,100. Is this someone that you look to maybe as a change of pace if you want some exposure for Purdue? You could look to Jaden Ivey. His usage rate has been increasing throughout the year. It's north of 20%. 
He's been very involved lately, primarily as a shooter. I still think this is a pretty tough matchup to get to overall just because of both teams and their really low implied team totals. With Ivy at 7,100, I would rather look to somebody on maybe a lesser team that has a better implied team total and just an overall better game environment. Anything else? I mean, in, in terms of like, can you go to like someone like Zach Eady or is that unnecessary? No. You know, your boy going to foul out before they tip? He probably will. I oh, my God. Uh, anyone else really on Purdue? You know, it's a seven point spread, but it's a methodical total. It, with 16 games, clearly, this is not one that screams shootout. I don't think you're looking much to Purdue for DFS unless you just play Trevion as a contrarian stud at the top. The other players on North Texas are a little more interesting because their rotation is very tight. So Purdue runs a pretty steady eight-man rotation. None of them are going to see elite minutes. North Texas, they have a horrific implied team total, but they only use five players. So if you think somebody like Zachary Simmons or Madres McBride offer value because they'll play 35 minutes and they're both sub 5K, I don't hate those players, particularly looking at Simmons was a good shot rate and rebound rate. We're talking 16% of the shots, 19% of the rebounds for him. He'll draw the tough matchup inside, but you could do a lot worse than him as just a pure value option. I like it. Look at that top tier down. We went through four, not the best games on the slate, but again, they're doing, you know, I, I didn't realize until this morning, they're just doing the entire right side of the bracket. So that was the top of the South region. Let's go to the bottom now. We've got four more games here, and we're going to start with, I think, my favorite game of the bunch, Virginia Tech, who's a slight, slight favorite over a Florida team. I do lean to the Hokies here. Uh, I think this game has a lot to offer on both sides. 135-point total, pretty, pretty standard. But where are you at on this game? Two different teams, you know, certainly an ACC against an SEC. I want to talk about certainly Virginia Tech's guys, particularly those forwards, um, and then Mann and Co. for Florida. Yeah, it's a tough stylistic matchup for Florida. I honestly think these teams should be flipped in their seating with Virginia Tech as the seven. They're the team I favor overall here. They lost Tyrese Radford, probably their best guard to a suspension midseason. He's back. He's a phenomenal rebounder, one of the best rebounding guards in the country. And that's in combination with Kebe Aluma and Justin Mutz inside. Aluma, big 6'9 forward and, and Mutz 6'7". Bad matchups for Florida, who don't really have solid big man play. You have Colin Castleton, who's phenomenal on the offensive side, but he's not really good at defending. And then it's just been a revolving door for that second big man Florida uses with Daruji and Omar Payne. And they've even been rotating in some guys like Osea Asifo in there. So a pretty bad matchup for Florida overall. I did bet Virginia Tech as a pick em. I would lay, if it was a point or two points, I would still lay that with the Hokies. And then for DFS, I like a lot of these Virginia Tech players as well. Not only do you have the good matchup for Aluma and Justin Mutz, but Tyrese Radford's priced as if he's still a part-time player. When he came back into action, they eased him in. He'd missed multiple games. In their most recent contest, he played 36 minutes. Back to his full-time role that we saw at the beginning of the season. So he particularly stands out. Yeah, flat 6K. You mentioned 36 minutes against North Carolina in that competitive ACC matchup. Uh, ultimately, the bigs uh, on North Carolina in that game really had their way. I think that's Florida's only out, but I don't see that happening either. Um, and you mentioned, you know, it's kind of been a revolving door there. $8,500 Trey Mann, is that something that you can get to? Again, we're, we're comparing him against those other prices. I know he's a guard. We've mentioned Travion Williams and, go, you know, those are forwards. But same price range, where are you at on him? Trey Mann's going to take a million shots. The dude shoots out of control. He keeps Florida in games, really, with his enormous shot rate. But it leads to a lot of volatility here. His assist rate's pretty good, too. But you're talking about 8,500 for Trey Mann versus some of the best game environments on the slate, like Arkansas and Ohio State. So I think... 
I'll be looking away from Trey Mann, more to some of the other players in the expensive range and trying to find some value on teams like Virginia Tech and Florida. Like it. Yeah, this is a game that I definitely want to get into more. One of the many reasons our friend of the show, Brian, just said he hopped in, bought the package. Very exciting. Uh, I'm going to be in Slack all day discussing these games, dropping my picks. So you can use them or you could fade them. So you got multiple options uh, of what you want to do there. And certainly Matt's projections, that is worth the money alone. So get on in there, $29.95 for the package. Awesomeo.com slash join if you want to do that. Let's go to a game that I think we really need to spend some time on. You've got strong takes on this. Society has strong takes on this. We've got Colgate toothpaste against Arkansas, the 13 and the four, 162 point total. This one is going to be wild. Colgate only played 15 games, 14 and one. They lost to Army. It was only Patriot League games, though, and that's not a great sign. Arkansas certainly, I mean, listen, they're in the SEC. We know that the spread is just nine. I've seen it teetering on eight and a half. I know that you lean to Arkansas in this spot, but you've got to like the setup for DFS as well. For DFS specifically, this might be the best game environment on the slate. You have the 14-3 matchup. It's an eight and a half point spread, suggesting it's going to remain at least semi-competitive here. And then you have two teams that play with incredible pace. So you're getting the total at 161. Just fantastic for DFS overall. Even on the Colgate side, this team has an underdog, an eight and a half point underdog, they're easily in the top half of implied total. So you want to take a look at Colgate. This is a situation where I'd much rather take some studs on Colgate as a cheaper option over people like Trey Mann in Florida, just because you're getting the same usage rate, a better game environment, and then you don't have the name recognition. So a guy like Jordan Burns at 7,300 on DraftKings and egregiously 6,700 on FanDuel really stands out. Colgate has not played competitive games this year. Their closest game in the last three was an eight-point victory, and they actually reduced their rotation, which was nice to see. I think we could see that here. But Colgate's only played five teams overall. I think Arkansas could just beat the bricks off this Colgate team. But overall, Vegas doesn't think it's going to go like that, suggesting for DFS we want to take a look at their roster. Incredibly fast, and Arkansas plays even faster. Colgate shoots north of – this is their out. They shoot north of 40% from three. Uh, that's one of the best in the country. Now you can say, well, that's because they're playing teams, you know, little sisters of the poor. I, I don't know exactly who is in the Patriot league besides a couple teams. It's not going to be that test today, but when you can shoot like that and you've got multiple players, you mentioned Burns, certainly Richardson will get his as well. I, that's their out. But the problem is stylistically Arkansas wants to get up and down. Now Moses Moody on the other side, 8,400. I assume it's all systems go in play in all formats. Love Moses Moody SEC tournament. They bumped his usage. They bumped his minutes, played 39 minutes in two straight games. It's going to be out there every minute. Enormous usage rate for Moses. You're not scared of the matchup against Colgate. I know their defense ranks 36 in the country, but they haven't played anybody. They've literally only faced five opponents this year. You mentioned they played 15 games. All of those 15 games were against the same five opponents, which is pretty ridiculous. Moody's more than affordable. And if for some reason you can't get to him on either side, you should be able to because he's cheap. They've narrowed their rotation. You could look to JD Note, who's played an increased role. Justin Smith, their forward, he's been in foul issues at times, but when he's playing his normal role, it's going to be 39, 40 minutes. You have Devontae Davis. He's going to be a great option to it at a cheaper price. No doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, this is a team, and, and I assume, I know you think that this is very possible, but it seems unrealistic in the grand scheme that Arkansas's guys are, are watching this late. Even if they have a big game, 
there's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to get production before they're yanked. And, and Vegas expects this to stay far within the range where you're not worried about blowout. This is not in the stratosphere of like a Hartford Baylor situation, even if, you know, Arkansas ultimately has their way against this Colgate team. Yeah, I think that's why you prefer this because you have Moses Moody in a competitive game versus maybe a Jared Butler, who's a 26 point favorite on Baylor. And then even if Arkansas demolishes Colgate, which I very much expect them to, I laid the eight and a half with Arkansas pretty heavy too, all over the Razorbacks, but the game environment's so good. The total fantastic, the pace fantastic. There's just going to be elevated scoring in this contest, which also puts them a tier above guys like Jared Butler for me. No doubt about it. So this is one, like I said, you can definitely go there. Um, Arkansas, another team that I think could, could make a, a run as, as a three seed there in the bottom. But as we work down, uh, all right, let's go to the next game. This is another one competitive Utah state plus four Texas tech, the 11 and the six. I think that this one could stay very close, different type of team. Utah state leans on that defense. I'm not sure what we get here though, on the, you know, DFS, DFS side of things, just a one thirty total. Um, is this a game that you can look to? Keita on the inside, but man, is he priced $9,500. Yeah, that's the thing with Keita. You have so many options in the 7K to 8K range. And just overarching on this slate, there's not a ton of value, at least value that we're really confident in. I think there's some players that could pop, but you're taking on a lot of risk playing a guy like Keita. Love him. Fantastic projection, fantastic matchup. You're just dealing with some roster construction issues if you pay out for him. And he's really doing it all for Utah State. If you're not looking to Keita, maybe you look to Justin Bean. But even with that, because Keita soaks up so much of the usage, the shots, the rebounds, even involved in the periphery, there's not much left over for some of the other players. Does that translate? Because certainly I I agree with you in the front court, those boards, you're not just competing with Texas Tech, you're competing against your own player who is an absolute monster. But when you look to the backcourt, do you think that still filters to guys like Marco Anthony to Worcester, the freshman, like they, they have some guys. I don't know again, if they stand out on a 16 game slate in an environment with a 130 total, but where, where do you stand on the rest of the Aggies? Yeah. So Marco Anthony and Raleigh Worcester have the second best rates on this team. I just think they're fully capped because of the presence of Keita and Keita's only gotten in foul trouble twice this year. So he's not a fowler. That's not a huge risk for him. If you're looking for a really cheap guy, you have Brock Miller. He's basically just a spot up shooter. There'll be big games for him, but they're going to be very volatile and few and far between. So I think just avoiding Utah State is an approach I'll be taking. On the other side of the game, you know, Texas Tech is a team I really honestly have trouble figuring out how good they are. Uh, At times, I thought they've been really good. Then at times, I'm really not impressed. We know Chris Beard is, is a great coach and he's had some success here, but I don't know about this roster in general. I mean, and even the pricing kind of reflects that it is somewhat bunched. You know, on DraftKings, their most expensive player is 7,300, but they have five guys north of 5K. And I think that shows how hard it is to prioritize. Are you prioritizing anyone on Texas Tech? Does anyone stand out uh, amongst the Red Raiders? There's one player I think that you could maybe look to, and it's Terrence Shannon. They flipped their rotation a little bit in their most recent game. You actually had him starting. He's typically coming off the bench as their sixth man, but they put Micah Peavy on the bench. You've just seen a lot of struggles recently from Mac McClung. Kyler Edwards is their best three-point shooter. He just isn't as involved. He has the worst usage rate of the starters. And then Kevin McCullough is mainly a peripheral player. So I think it's Terrence Shannon. He's also the cheapest starter, but he's undergoing a role change, which makes him a little more attractive than everybody else. Texas Tech is a fine rebounding team, no doubt about it. But Utah State, 
57% total rebounding percentage, their rebounding rate. That's one of the best in the country. I think they have the distinct advantage in the front court. And if Texas Tech is going to win this game, uh, they got to do it in the backport. You mentioned Mac McClung. Maybe that was what Georgetown needed to get rid of him. Who knows? But uh, sorry, I had to take a shot. I, I, I wish he stayed there. But anyway, I mean, anything else? Do you have a feel on the spread or total? It's a tough game. I lean to Utah State, but I have not bet it. So I, this is one I didn't hit when it opened. Just I, as I dug into the matchup is where I really under, undercovered my lean, which is Utah State. But at that point, the line value was gone. You could have got this around six, six and a half at open. I think that was a supreme value. At four and a half, four, it's not something I really love. So I see myself staying away from this game in the betting environments. This is one, and again, it speaks to the importance of Slack. I could, I could see myself hitting this game live. Uh, these games have – don't take my word. Just look at the games yesterday. The swings in these games, team goes down by 10. You know, that means nothing in, in March Madness tournament settings. So you're going to see that time and time again. All right, this is a game. It may not be the best on the slate, but I have a feeling it's one of your favorites. Oral Roberts, it's sitting at 15 and a half-ish. I've seen 16 out there against the two-seed Ohio State. 157 totals, very appealing. You, I, I know you show some love to Oral Roberts here. Max Abnes, highest scoring player in the country at 7,600. Let's start there. Can he have success against Ohio State? I think he can. And this Oral Roberts team, very underrated. I actually kind of like their draw here. If there's going to be a 15-2 upset, I think this is the one. Again, take this for what it's worth. Extremely unlikely. We don't see these upsets often. But if it's going to happen in the first round, I think this is the one to look at. For DFS, you have a great game environment. A 157 total. Two teams that play, well, Oral Roberts in particular, plays with an extremely fast pace. Ohio State is about average. But then you get an Oral Roberts team, which is just lights out shooting. They shoot over 40% from three. Their stud, Abmus, is shooting over 42%. They're the best free throw shooting team in the country. So if this game gets close and down to the stretch, you have a team that's very secure there. And then they're going up against an Ohio State defense, which has significant weaknesses, primarily against three-point shooting. And I don't want to look too much into this, but it basically just suggests that Oral Roberts can hang in this game. And then you want to just look at overall level of competition for Oral Roberts. Sure. They finished fourth in the summit league in the regular season. That was behind South Dakota state, North Dakota state and South Dakota, but they played one of the most difficult non-conference schedules in that conference. They played Missouri, Wichita state, Oklahoma state, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. They lost all those games, but they kept a number of them within single digit points, which suggests to me, they can hang with a team like Ohio state, maybe not win the game, but perhaps cover the spread. And then you're looking at a 70 and a half implied team total for DFS. That's something you definitely want to consider. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you have potential firepower like that and you shoot, they shoot over 28 threes a game. uh, That's just extreme variance. And sometimes you hit 16, something like that. And that can be done when you have players like this outside of Abmus, O'Banner, anybody else? Or is it really you're just going to hone in on the guy who's really most likely going to carry all the usage and all the volume? I love Admus. He's a fantastic play at his price, 7,600. He's a little more pricey on FanDuel. I think you could look elsewhere there, but he's still a good price. O'Banner, great price as well. You're just getting the tougher matchup inside. O'Banner is going to have to battle with the Ohio State bigs. Admus takes advantage of the shooting beyond the arc. And I actually think you could probably look to some value here. The best part about Oral Roberts is they play a hyper condensed rotation. So even a guy like Carlos Jurgens, who's a good three point shooter himself, he's 36% from there. He's not going to take as many shots, more of a peripheral player. Last three games, he does have the 24% rebound rate, 19 and a half percent assist rate, not taking a ton of shots, but when he does, he's very accurate. 
he's 4,500. You could certainly look to him as a player that will play every single minute and get there with peripherals. He has to just stay out of foul trouble. That's my one worry with a guy like that against those bigs. But yeah, no doubt about it. If he can be on the court, he will. And and this is a game that could stay closer. I, I personally think, again, we're, we're splitting hairs here. Grand Canyon, if I had to pick a 15 um, for you doing, for anyone doing bracket lists, that's my, the team I think is most live. But this is a team that's got some talent. On the other side, though, if slash possibly when Ohio State does clamp down, how do you think they do it? Do you think they stifle them defensively or do they simply outscore them with, you know, Liddell, Washington, and all the guys they can throw at them? I don't think it'll be defensively. I think if Ohio, excuse me, if Oral Roberts has a bad game, I think it'll be just because they're not hitting their shots, not because Ohio State is really stopping them on defense. If you're looking for DFS, we actually do have some potential value here for Ohio State. So Kyle Young's not playing. That news came out. He has a concussion. Missed the last two games for Ohio State, and this really condenses their rotation. You're going to see Dwayne Washington, EJ Liddell play every single minute. I don't love their prices north of 8K. On, on FanDuel, Washington is a phenomenal price. You can certainly play them over there. But Justice Suing and C.J. Walker, they're those middling price guys where you're considering, considering like a C.J. Walker or a Justice Suing versus one of the usage studs on a team like Colgate, which is a very difficult decision right now. You're accessing a great team total in Ohio State. But at the same time, there's still 16-point favorites, so there's some risk there. I think if you're going all the way down, Seth Towns is the direct replacement for Kyle Young. You're probably looking at 25 to 28 minutes and reduced usage for Seth Towns, but he's a value play in a pretty good game environment. Do you look to, you know, this is something, Seth Towns, the old Hartford player, Harvard player. Um, <laughs> I, I always love that team. Do you look to stacking on 16 games like this? I mean, certainly I think Colgate and Arkansas is going to have some, you know, potential there. But do you look that if you're going to target one of the Oral Roberts players, maybe taking someone on the other side of a game like this? I think this is a game you can fully stack up if you want. It'd be interesting to see. This is one I, I really want to see how it ends up and, and where these teams look. A uh, couple quick questions, and then we'll get to the uh, Midwest here and, and change over. But we had uh, from chat, and we appreciate these. Are you worried about Virginia Tech not playing much basketball since their pause? I am not. I, I think this is more product of not liking Florida for me. It's definitely a worry. I mean, they played three games really since the start of February, but they've come back. So it's not like this is their first game back from their COVID pause. So I don't think there's as much worry. That's basically it. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you. Um, so I, I think that's really kind of where I'm at. We'll see. But I believe that I'll, I'll live and die with the Hokies today. All right. Eight up, eight down, eight more. Here we go. Chat, if you could hit that like button, we really do appreciate it. Midwest region, we're going down to the Fighting Illini, taking on Drexel. Here we go. Another massive spread, no surprise here, 22 and a half. I don't see any way that this stays close. I don't know if it'll be as bad as Hartford. Let's talk about these teams, though. I mean, I guess the first question always is, can Drexel do anything or are they a complete write-off? I wish they'd gotten a better draw against Illinois. I think they're completely drawing dead, but this Drexel team's not bad. They won the colonial athletic association. They, they played a decent game against Pitt. That was really their only strong level of competition, but overall Drexel's a team that's going to try to slow it down. That does add extra volatility into games like this. So Illinois is a team that plays well above average in pace. Drexel's a really slow team. Overall, I think because of that, if you're just looking to the spread, maybe you you take a look towards the Drexel side. You're getting a ton of points. 
with teams that play this slow, it's going to be harder for an Illinois to cover 22 and a half. So that's my lean in the betting markets for DFS. Drexel's another team that has a couple usage studs that are extremely cheap. You're looking at Cameron Winter at 6,100. He's cheaper than the players we just mentioned, like CJ Walker and Justice Suing, but he has a far better usage rate. It's near 20%. He plays every single minute. He's taking 24% of the shots, 13% of the rebounds, and 31% of the assists. You're looking at an Illinois team that probably pulls their starters at some point, but Cameron Winter's not coming off the floor. So I think you have to at least take a look at him. Yeah, Drexel, I mean, I haven't seen much of them. I watched their run, you know, to take out a couple teams that I really like, particularly Northeastern, who I thought would be in the tournament, and they were not. Uh, Elon, no one cares about Elon. Anyway, I I think for the betting side of things, if you like Drexel, you probably want to lean to the under, as you mentioned. I think the only way that they keep this respectable is if the game is played more in the 60s. Uh, and you know, it's a 74 60 ish type game. If it gets going, Illinois really could unload on them. And of course that's the side that's going to have more interest on the DFS landscape, but it's just a simple question. Do you want to pay those type of prices for, I'll call them the big two for, for Illinois North of $9,000, uh, for the big man and for AO. I don't think you can. It's the same situation as Baylor. I wouldn't be surprised if Dasunmu plays like 27 minutes. Yeah, it's just not needed. They've got particularly not that, but you know, they have a big time eight, nine looming on deck as well. Like Loyola doesn't mess around. Georgia tech doesn't mess around. So keep that in mind. I think we can, we can save some time with this one and we can get to the game that I know you're excited to talk about the nine seed Georgia tech. Sadly, I have to say this. They're now a five and a half point dog. There's a reason for that, and we're going to get into it. Versus the eight seed Loyola, which is the worst seed in the tournament. I think people would agree on that. 124 and a half. Big news. We talked about it on the bracket show, and at the time we said, hopefully it's a personnel issue, a non-player. Not only was it a player, it was Moses Wright, who is not playing in this game. I mean, just speak to how big of an impact that is. He's the ACC player of the year. He's the only viable player that matches up against Loyola stud Cameron Crutwig. He's worth three points in the line. Just absolutely enormous loss. It can't be overstated. On the DFS side, does it open up an opportunity for a Khalid Moore for another big, or is this now just a situation knowing how good Loyola's defense is that we really just can't mess around with? I think the only player you're looking at is Rodney Howard. So I've actually had some difficulty with this game overall. To replace Moses Wright, this is going to be very difficult. Moses Wright plays like 95% of the minutes. We haven't even really gotten a glimpse at what this team looks like without him. So they are going to run Jose Alvarado, Michael DeVoe every single minute. And then they've used some sort of combination of Jordan Osher, Bubba Parham, and Khalid Moore to round out their starting five with Kyle Sturdivant coming in there once in a while. But those guys have decent size. We're talking about like Khalid Moore and Bubba Parham, who are both 6'7", but both of them are seeding 50 pounds to Cameron Crutwig. Rodney Howard is a big seven foot, 240 pound guy. He's barely played this year. And I don't know how much he's on the floor, but he's 3,300. There's a reasonable expectation that perhaps his minutes jump to like 20, 25 today in order to combat Cameron Crutwig, but he's going to come with immense risk. He's one of these foulers, similar to like a Julius Marble or a Zach Eady on Purdue, where you really worry about his presence on the court, especially with a guy like Crutwig, who's extremely crafty. So I think you're just playing the value guy in Rodney Howard, or you're avoiding this game outside of maybe a GPP Alvarado or DeVoe. 
Yeah, Alvarado, of course, you know, uh, in the in the backcourt is interesting, but the tag is a little much. And Loyola's defense, I can't overstate how impressive they are. Um, we now let's look to them. Let's look to the Ramblers here. Crutwig is eighty seven hundred. Uh, you know, you mentioned he won't see Moses Wright. Does that defensively change things? Is he going to absolutely feast? You know, we know he's a do it all, can really pass. One of the best passing bigs in the country. There's a you know, a 3K gap between him and everybody else on this team. Is that where you look? Or do you look to a, you know, a Ugak, a Norris? They have some other guys that can do some things, but it's not Crutwig. I think it's Crutwig or Bust, and it's mainly because of the game environment. It's a 124 total. So how many players do you really want from this game? Oh, no, no doubt. And not to mention, I'm interested to see what Loyola does. Georgia Tech runs a weird kind of zone. Um, they They throw that at a lot of teams. I do think... Certainly, you know, I respect Loyola's coach a ton. I think he'll be able to solve it, but that's just a really weird look. You don't get that look during the year. And that that's one thing in this game. I think it could be even slower than normal. Uh, so not the best DFS side, not touching it on the betting. Are you still, I know you have Georgia Tech tickets. Are you just holding? I mean, there's nothing really, sorry to bring that up, my friend, but uh, you're not buying out, right? You're just kind of stuck. No, I'm just, I'm just going to ride with it. Yeah, that's right. That's what we do on this show. We go down with the ship. We're not buying out. Um, Jose Alvarado's got it under control. All right, here we go. Oregon State, the Beavers made it. Pac-12 champs against the five seed in Tennessee. Eight, eight and a half-ish spread. 131 total. Weird game. I, honestly, I don't know what to make of Oregon State. They got hot, similar to Georgetown. What is this team all about? I mean, it's a team that, again, in the Pac-12, they never stood out to me, and now they've found their groove. I do not think this team is a strong buy whatsoever. DFS, their team total is really low, hovering around 60. You just have a bad overall total in the game. And then if you look at Oregon State, what they were able to do in the Pac-12 tournament, they shot 10% from three north of their season average. So if you think that continues, maybe you take them. But Tennessee plays phenomenal defense, and I don't see them really being able to hang in the game. So anything, or is this an actual write-off team, uh, even as the 12 seed? I don't think you're playing anyone in DFS. Ethan Thompson's their usage leader, so you could maybe look at him as a contrarian option. He shoots a lot. He's pretty inefficient. Decent assist rate. Outside of that, there's not too much. They're going to trot out an eight-man rotation, which makes it a headache for DFS. And they're a pretty slow team, I mean, in terms of tempo. They're towards the bottom. Efficient offense, I I actually think that they can manufacture some points, but I don't know if there's going to be a ton of possessions. On the other side of this game, so I guess we could start here. Is Fulkerson, do you expect him to play? So I've been wrestling with this decision a lot this week. Fulkerson, if you guys didn't see, took a nasty elbow to the face. And he broke bones in his face. Facial fractures had surgery on Sunday. They've been calling him day-to-day. This could be coach speak, but it suggests to me that the concussion, another injury he suffered, is the big issue rather than the facial fractures. So if he passes concussion protocol, I think he could play. I would still deem that pretty unlikely all right so we'll, we'll kind of operate with him maybe you know not playing where does this leave Tennessee it's certainly they've got other players they've got a bunch of bodies so some bigs and the guards I mean do you look to Keon Johnson is it Pons who, who is it is it Springer who is the highest you know price guy uh, on this team where does the production come from against Oregon State I think Springer and Keon Johnson are basically priced out of consideration because of the overall game environment but you're looking at some other options that will play more minutes in the assumption that Falkerson misses this game. 
Tennessee doesn't have a ton of height. Falkerson's really their big guy on the floor. He's 6'9". Outside of that, you have Pons and Viscovi and Josiah Jordan-James. Josiah Jordan-James is actually listed as a guard on DraftKings, but he's 6'6", and he fills in more of the post role than anybody else. He is the direct beneficiary, in my opinion. Last game he played, got in foul trouble, only 17 minutes. But on the game where Falkerson went down, Josiah Jordan-James' minute spiked up to 30. Do you have a lean? I know you've mentioned you're not a huge believer uh, in this Oregon State team. Do you think you're prone to possibly lay the points? This is another situation like Utah State where I wish I'd looked into it more early. So I bet a bunch of games with my initial reactions, but games like this where I don't feel comfortable with, I wait till I dig in a little bit. By the time I waited and dug in, the line value was gone. So you could have got Tennessee around minus six, minus six and a half at open. Now they're eight and a half, nine in some spots, which I don't love. Yeah, it's, it's certainly taken some money. And we'll see. This is, this is a weird game. I'm not sure exactly where I fall on it. Um, may have a position, though. So, again, hop in slack, part of the package. No reason not to. Here we go. This one, uh, a game that I don't think is getting enough buzz, to be honest. The 13-seed Liberty, who won a game in the NCAA tournament two years ago. People forget that. Against Oklahoma State, who has probably the number one pick in Cade Cunningham. Seven point. Uh, dog for Liberty 139 and a half they're so methodical pack line defense a la Virginia I mean this team I respect Liberty but they just play so so slow can someone like Darius McGee who's a really good player just simply get enough possessions and you know it is a step up in competition it is games like this are ripe for upsets and I don't think it's going to happen but this is the kind of game game environment where I think something could happen Teams that reduce possessions add a little bit more volatility into the overall games. So you can't see a team like Oklahoma State who's more talented impose their will if there is some sort of regression or volatility in the game. So Liberty, for that reason, I think is a solid upset pick if you're just looking at brackets. But the overall game environment, the teams play with such different pace. Oklahoma State's a run and gun team. They try to get teams to play at their pace, which I I don't think will be able to happen with Liberty here. But for DFS, McGee's very expensive. I would rather pay some of the pay for some of the other guys we talked about in the the price range where he is seventy four hundred and seven k on Fanduel. I'd rather go down and play maybe somebody like Kyle Road, who's fifty one hundred. The problem is you're just ceding so much usage to McGee. I don't think he's really worth it either. It's a tough game. Like I said, I think this will be a good game, a great game to watch, particularly if you're a sicko like me and you like, you know, 48, <laughs> 44 games. That's right in my wheelhouse. You must have loved last night. Oh my God. It was, well, I loved it, except it was a little expensive. My teams were uh, scoring less than their opponents. And that's really not the strategy, particularly when you're favorite, but that's neither here nor there. Let me ask you this just overall with Oklahoma state. Maybe this is just my impression, but I feel like they're a team that rarely had the full unit intact. Cunningham missed some games, likely was in and out. Where are they at health-wise? And do you think, you know, with the usage, could it be uh, kind of in flux considering it's been been a lot of rotating pieces throughout the year? They're as healthy as they've been all year. They They got back all the players you just mentioned in the conference tournament. So it looks like they're going to be as healthy as they've been. One thing I think that's actually a positive with those injuries is it allows you to develop some depth. A team like Oklahoma is also going through this right now with a player they lost. But throughout the year, dealing with these absences, it's really allowed guys like Caleb Boone and Matthew Alexander Moncrief, even Bryce Williams, Rondell Walker, to play a lot of minutes. And they've been efficient while doing so, especially with Caleb Boone and Avery Anderson coming on of late. I think Oklahoma State's a really strong team, one that could potentially make a run. 
Anderson has been super impressive. The game, uh, you know, with West Virginia a couple weeks ago where both likely and Cunningham sat and they won that game in Morgantown. He had 31. Uh, they do have some depth. They've got a guy named Flavors and he wears jersey number 31 for Baskin Robbins. You can't put a price on that. Seriously, how ball Baron Flavors, that? my guy. I mean, come on now. Uh, don't don't click his name today, though. That's just a, a side comment for me. So where do you go? Cunningham is 10000 on DraftKings. He is the most expensive player on the entire slate. We know he's going to be the number one pick, but can he pay off that tag? And more so, is it worth, you know, allocating, you know, 20% of your total salary on one guy? I don't think so. I even when like Luca Garza is on shorter slates, this isn't typically a strategy I approach unless you have supreme value, which we don't have today. We don't have these cheap guys that can really help you get to this stars and scrubs balance approach. So I'm more likely to take the studs on Oral Roberts and Drexel and some of these other teams rather than pay up for Cade. Yeah, no doubt. If they were playing a Colgate or someone like that, where the tempo was through the roof, maybe, but I couldn't think of a worse opponent DFS wise for, for this team, because even if they win, Liberty's going to drag them down to the deep water. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> um, I just don't, I don't think the talent will be there for the flames ultimately, but can't wait to see this. And yeah, listen, Dylan just mentioned this. You said this in chat. I think it can't be overstated teams that reduce possessions. They do add more volatility. There's less possessions to go around. And if you're hitting your threes and stuff, it's hard to catch up. And that is one of the reasons why Virginia lost to a 16. It, you live and die by that kind of way if you're pushing the pace you know variance will smooth out a little more so that's that's neither here nor there but I, I do like that about liberty all right that's the top tier now we've got four games left we're doing good here and we'll have some time to kind of recap some of our bets some of the dfs plays and i just want to say again if you haven't you still have some time you're cutting it close though i'm not gonna lie you should be in this already but go to monkey knife fight the the show description it's right there the march madness bracket giveaway and hop in for the package. Like I said, even if you don't get in today, some of the contests have filled. They have secondary contests. There's a lot more slates coming tomorrow. The day after that, I believe it's Sunday. My days don't exist anymore. And Monday plus second round and as we cruise to the Sweet 16. So no reason not to be part of this. We're really excited here at Awesome O to, to have a DFS package. And it's particularly thanks to Matt Gajewski because I certainly wouldn't be able to do any of that. Uh, his projections are really what's leading us here and certainly the tools from Alex and co., now, four games left, bottom tier of the Midwest. It's not the best. We're going to go to the bottom, though. We're going to Cleveland State and Houston. 20-point dogs for the Vikings. You've mentioned just not a great team. Houston should smother them. 134.5-point total. Where are we at here on this game? Yeah, I want to shout out UW-Milwaukee for knocking off Wright State and giving Cleveland a prayer to make the tournament, which they, which they did. So now we have – Wright State should have been in the tournament from from this league. But instead, we get Cleveland State, a team that plays really slow. They played horribly against good competition, and they're just playing a stifling defense in Houston. For betting, I took the under at 135. I'm still willing to get it at 134.5 where it sits right now. Houston's one of the best defenses in the country. I do have questions with them when they start facing better competition. But overall, Cleveland State is certainly not that. They're top 10 in overall offensive and defensive efficiency here. I also think this plays to the under when Houston inevitably pulls their starters. Yeah, this is going to get ugly. I, I have not a lot to say here. The only thing I, I take issue with is Northern Kentucky, who is my one of my favorite teams. They are the team that should have been here, not get Wright State. E- either one, Wright State, Northern Kentucky, UW Milwaukee knocking them off in like double overtime game and just allowing Cleveland State this chance was egregious. 
Correct. Uh, some weird team. Oakland. They, all the games went to overtime. If you want a weird thing, look up that conference tournament. There was a lot of lot of shenanigans. But this is a game uh, of the sixteen. It's towards the bottom of interest in betting and DFS. I don't see much to really talk about here. Uh, the last question I just kind of wanted to ask you conceptually: How good do you think Houston is? I think they're kind of a paper tiger. A lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people I really respect too. So. Don't just take my word for it. Try to look at differing opinions, come to your own conclusion. But they've dropped some horrible games, lost to Wichita State, lost to East Carolina. And people like to talk about Cleveland being a really good rebounding team. This is probably the worst rebounding conference in the country. Houston doesn't actually have very much size. You look at them, Justin Gorms, their tallest starter, he's 6'7", Grimes, 6'5", Giroux, 6'5", Max, 6'5", and Sasser's about six feet tall. So I think when they run up against even like a Bama who can run and gun them a little bit with some size, I know they're not in the same region. Maybe you just talk about Illinois in the same region. They're going to give Houston some issues. I even think, I mean, looking a little earlier, I think West Virginia, if that matchup happens, can cause them serious problems um, as the 3-2 there. But we'll see. Uh, You know, the team that could give them maybe more immediate problems, (laughs) I guess we got to figure out which one, could be Rutgers or Clemson. good God. Yeah, I know. They're going to get their chance. Sorry, we have to contractually obligated to talk about all 16 games. Rutgers is a two-point favorite, 125 and a half. This is, yeah, I mean, this game is going to make a case for why they probably should reduce the field in general. I I don't know what to say about this. Sims is a guy that, I'll be honest, I'm a big fan of him for Clemson. 7,500, though, I I don't really have a strong take there, but let's just talk about the game, and we'll start with Clemson. Does Sims dominate down low, and and what do you make of, of the Tigers here? Rutgers is just solid everywhere on defense specifically. They're in the top 100 interior defense. They're top 100 beyond the arc. Obviously Vegas thinks this game plays to a low total. It's 125 overall. So Sims at 7.5 K, there's just flat out a lot better projected options than him. He's really going to have to exceed expectations as far as the, the game total for him to be playable at this price. But he's really the only guy you look to on Clemson. They're going to rotate nine, 10 guys out there. Sims, he's one of the only ones that sees consistent minutes. There's Clyde Trapp, but his rates leave a lot to be desired. So I think you're pretty much just Xing out Clemson outside of big GPPs. On the other side, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Rutgers solid across the board, but what about offensively, Ron Harper Jr. and Co. Minutes oh, should be there. Offense. <laughs> do you, so how do you see this game going? Is it going to be as ugly as this total, or is this one that we could look to? Yeah, picture Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern. Mm, yeah, I don't have to picture it. I, I watched it and then I dreamt of night terrors last night, reliving it. Uh, Kwong Chi and co just could not get it done for me. Just in a business, you were all over credit to you. You really like the under in that game. So I guess the easy question are, do you like the under in this game? I wish man, it's at 125. The under yesterday was 133. Yeah, I I know some people are asking about bets in this game. You're going to hear the narrative Rutgers playing in the big 10. So it's basically the back end of these big 10 teams played a bunch of really tough games, a lot of quad one games and like Rutgers and Maryland have horrible records, but if they played in a weaker conference, how would this team actually look? It's a big question. Rutgers, they're shooting 32% from three. I mean, I just don't see how they get it done here. I, I didn't bet the game. I'm not going to, but I would bet Clemson if I was taking a side. I I've tossed and, and kind of turned with this one. I, I don't know. I, I can't see myself betting it. It's just one. With 16 of these bad boys, I don't think I need to. Um, anything else, or can we move to the final two games here? We can move on. Okay. Syracuse, the 11. San Diego State, the 6. 
a lot of people think, you know, Q's always got a big fan base. Can they make one of their runs? To me, the answer to that would be no. Uh, they're a slight, slight dog here, 138 and a half total. I'm just interested to what you think. I mean, San Diego State, they are a good shooting team. I think they'll be able to get looks over this zone. Um, do you see that happening? Do you think Mitchell on the inside can be effective? I mean, he still shoots some threes. How do you think they attack the Syracuse zone? They're definitely going to get three-point opportunities. It's what Syracuse wants you to do. Syracuse very vulnerable against teams that shoot the three and teams that are good at rebounding. So San Diego State shoots the three phenomenally. They have Jordan Shackle and Terrell Gomez that shoot over 42% from three. Huge mismatch for them. As long as they're shooting at their season average, it should be a, a cakewalk matchup for them. You look at rebounding, San Diego State's fairly good. They're, they're not elite in any category here, but Matt Mitchell, he should be a problem inside as well. So I do lean San Diego State's direction. In terms of the salaries, you know, it's funny. They're the favorite, but Syracuse is actually commanding the, the top price type price players, whether it's Griffin or Bayheim and co. I mean, what do you do? They got three guys North of seven. How does that production fall? And do you think they can have success against this uh, Aztec defense? Yeah, they're expensive because their rotations narrow. So you have a couple guys that are approach every single minute, like Bayheim's going to play 36 plus minutes. Garrier is going to be mid thirties and minutes. Dolajai mid thirties and minutes. And Alan Griffin, he had a blip game in there where he just played 12, but typically he's a 35 plus minute per game guy. So that's why they're so expensive. It's a tough matchup here. You could maybe take a look at them, but ultimately they're all efficiently priced in my opinion. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised and I, I don't know. I respect San Diego state's defense. Maybe I'm overrating the Mount West in general. I said this about Utah state, but this is a team that I, I think you can really argue is certainly uh, one of the better defensive teams left in left in this tournament it hasn't even begun just in the tournament in general. And I, I think that Q's could have some struggles. And when you've got four guys, you know, you're kind of cannibalizing production, the minutes will be there, but good luck trying to win a four way coin flip in some regards. So not much to say. Haven't bet the game either. Last one, Moorhead State, the team that you took some some unnecessary shots out on the bracket show. You had no respect for the Eagles. West Virginia, it's going to be a big spread, and it is 13 points, 137 total. You mentioned that Moorhead State, uh, I don't know the adjectives you used, but let's just say they played some good teams early in the year, and it didn't go well for them. Is there any way that this goes well for them? I think I said they got slaughtered. Yeah, that was one of the adjectives, slaughtered. Dismantled. Did I say other mean things about Liquidated. They had to cancel the program, I think you said. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to say that about Moorhead State, but Fort this Moorhead. team doesn't have much of a chance here. I laid the points earlier with West Virginia when it was 12 and a half. I think that's a fine line. It's minus 13 right now. You could lay that if you want. Moorhead State, they're 332nd in offensive turnovers. This could be like a five-steal game for Miles McBride. So I – think outside of just the overall advantages that West Virginia has over Moorhead state, that's egregious that Moorhead state's turning it over so much against their level of competition. I think it's a cakewalk for West Virginia. Does that mean that Johnny broom is not in uh, consideration for you? He's another stud that plays every minute who has an incredible usage rate and is priced down at 6,900. So I actually like Johnny broom. West Virginia's one weakness is on the interior. They don't, they actually try to get you to shoot threes and they're good at defending them. But when players can have success inside West Virginia has been vulnerable down there. Yeah. I actually think if he stays out of foul trouble and whatnot, he's very live for a double double. I've seen him play again. You know, the, the OVC is not exactly world beaters, but he's had some success success against Belmont, Austin P Murray state type teams, uh, I had to get my Austin P plug in there. Anyway, I heard at, it. 
Yeah, I know. You know the rules. All right. We got West Virginia. We've got Culver, McBride, Taz Sherman. A lot of, lot of names here, a lot of bodies. How do they get it done against Moorhead State? They have a great implied team total. They like to run and gun. West Virginia has been in track meets all year. A little bit of a blowout risk, but Miles McBride, I think, is a stud you could potentially look at because you're dealing with a 13-point spread and not a 26-point spread. So theoretically, he should just play a little bit more minutes. He's actually a buy low right now. He he scored 19 points in their most recent game, if I'm not mistaken, but in the two prior, he had an eclipse 12. So you're getting him still at a discounted price. He's a 21% usage rate, and he's pretty clearly been like 8,500 throughout the year. So I like the dip in his price. Meanwhile, Culver is near his season high price. So I think you're just looking at two diverging prices here that will regress. If you're looking for a cheaper option, West Virginia has them. Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil are playing around 30 minutes a game. Both of them are just primarily shooters. Sean McNeil in particular on DraftKings is really cheap at 4,500. If his shots go, he's going to be a good value play. But I think it's a nice, cheap attachment to a solid overall team total in West Virginia. I like it. Listen, we've done it. We did 16 up, 16 down. We've got a couple minutes left before lock, so we'll dive in and we'll recap some, especially because, chat, uh, I'm going to pity ask for likes because I didn't get a pack. <laughs> I'm over 100,000 in top shot. I failed miserably. So if you could show some thumbs up, uh, considering I won't be getting whatever the, whatever they're giving away, um, hopefully you guys grab some. But let's go back and just circle. You know, you don't need to dig into it too deep, Matt, but we, we touched upon so many players in DFS I mean, is there a couple guys that you think for, for various reasons, whether it's just they're so elite that you'll pay the money or their tag is cheap? And certainly your projections will dive in more to this and, and whatnot. But where do you kind of overall broad strokes go on the DFS plays of the day? You want to focus on Oral Roberts versus Ohio State. You want to focus on Colgate versus Arkansas. Two teams in Oral Roberts and Colgate. The spreads aren't egregious. They can certainly hang with these opponents. And then you're looking at very strong overall totals, very strong teams that shoot from three. And then you're looking at good paces in both games. So as far as cheaper studs go, guys like Abmus for Oral Roberts or guys like Jordan Burns on Colgate, those players typically, if they're playing their level of competition, are going to be $9,000 or more. Based on what Vegas is telling us in the spreads and the overall paces, it suggests these studs, maybe on the lesser teams, can still hang in there and give us a good score. So I love them. Then on the other side, you have studs like Moses Moody, very willing to pay his price. And Ohio State's actually looking at a reduced rotation right now without Kyle Young. So I think you can maybe look at value like Seth Towns. This is the two games I really want to take a stab on. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, 16 games and what you're prioritizing in these games that have the environment. And I, I think that's smart. There's going to be a couple games and certainly Arkansas and Colgate the overwhelming favorite to be crazy, to be in the 80s, maybe the 90s, who knows. Um, and, and you just have so many, so many shots, so many three point attempts, there's going to be a lot to go around. And I think a lot of people certainly, I mean, they're seeing these teams for the first time. They're unfamiliar with them. I think if you dig in and you're not afraid to take a couple guys on Colgate or Oral Roberts, just consider that, uh, you can take some advantage because those teams, even if they lose, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for them to have some production. So no about, no doubt about that. Um, as we move on, cause I, I was expecting, I'm not going to lie. Maybe you weren't. And it was just me. We haven't seen any news. Have we it, it, like in terms of more COVID situations, the last thing was Moses, right? Was it not Kyle young playing? Kyle, he's or excuse me, Kyle young being out, but that was kind of expected. So not, we haven't seen any big news. No. Okay. And that's good. I, you know, hopefully nothing happens and we'll see if anything does. Of course you have to react accordingly. Make sure to go to oddshopper.awesomeo.com. We've got NCAB listed now. 
Um, so you can chop those lines and see if there is some major movement as we go. And it's a perfect transition to, uh, I guess we'll call it the lock of the day. Why not? Um, that's what we do on this show. We're going to try to pick a winner here. You've mentioned some bets. I've mentioned some bets. We're going to have plenty more. Like I said, hop in slack, get that package. It's not too late. You got a couple minutes here. We'd love to have you in there for the wild ride. That is March madness. Is there one game that you're really honing in on, or do you have a, a bet that you do feel comfortable with? Can you imagine this Arkansas team only favored by eight and a half points? An Arkansas team that only had six losses all year, all coming to the elite competition in the SEC while they were playing with a limited roster. Can you just imagine this, Ben? Imagine what a world. Uh, yeah, and you just touch on that a little because Arkansas is a team, they were healthier. They're healthier now than they've been. They've had a lot of missing pieces here and there. They're a young team. That's what worries me a little. They've got a, and I'm not. Are you, uh, you like their coach, Masselman fan? He's all right. I don't really have strong coaching takes outside of Greg Gard. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so imagine a world where you can get them at just eight and a half. Lucky for society, that is this world. So I respect that. My game is actually the first one. So it'll be a, hopefully a quick and easy one. I like Virginia Tech. I, I really don't think that Florida is that good. And you you mentioned it. To me, these, these seeds should be flipped. And I think that Virginia Tech, who has started to take some money, it's the favorite here. So I think they'll have their way. I know man will get his, but it's not going to be enough. Florida's interior is suspect. And I think Virginia tech will be able to get that done, but we've got plenty more behind that paywall. We did it. Uh, we still have a couple minutes left, but we're going to bounce on out of here. Any final thoughts for you before we finally, after two years, get to sit back and watch some uh, March madness. Yeah. First off, just enjoy it. Everyone. It's going to be awesome. Favorite time of the year for me. So I'm really excited for the games. For DFS, think about these studs that are maybe are in less ideal game environments. It's going to be a really fun day, man. Thanks for having me, of course. Absolutely. And real quick, of course, if you haven't got our handles right there, Matt underscore Gajeski, Jazzraz DFS, give us a follow. We would appreciate that on the Twitter sphere. And we'll be back tomorrow, same time, Matt. I hope you're uh, you're good to go because we got a lot of these. We got 16 more games to break down tomorrow. We'll be doing the left side of the bracket. So that's Gonzaga, of course, Michigan and Co. My boys with Abilene Christian, Colorado, Creighton. There's a million good teams that I can't wait to talk about. Not gonna lie. Last thing I'll say, I think next tomorrow is a better slate than today. Agreed. Yeah. So we got a lot to talk about. We will be back tomorrow here on awesomeo.com. Same time, same place. Good luck, everyone. And we'll see you then.